You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everyone to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melfior. And uh, with me today from FanRack, Jessica Kleinschmidt. Jessica, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me once again. Yep, yep. No, good, uh, good to have you on. And uh, as uh, pretty much always, lots of news to get to, including a couple of items uh, that have just recently come up within the last hour or so. Uh, Jacob DeGrom initially scheduled to start for the Mets tonight. Uh, he's being pushed back mm-hmm. to Saturday uh, because of the stiff neck. So it'll be Matt Harvey taking the mound. And that may or may not have uh, some daily league implications. Uh, but uh, Jess, uh, we'll uh, talk about that later on, right? We got uh, your, mm-hmm. your DFS picks for the day and uh, talk about some general uh uh, things you can do playing the splits uh, if you're in a daily league or playing DFS. But for today, uh, we have Matt Harvey pitching for the Mets. Uh, the Royals have sent down Raul Mondesi, who had been uh, playing second base and uh, not producing very much. In fact, uh, my guest yesterday, Heath Cummings, he and I talked about that situation, and he talked about how much Ned Yost likes Raul Mondesi, but uh, I guess even Ned Yost couldn't put up with the lack of production anymore. So uh, Mondesi goes back to uh, AAA Omaha. Uh, I would think that would probably give Whit Merrifield the uh, bulk of the playing time there at second base. But just do you have any any beat on that situation or, or anybody that you're you're rooting for at least? Yeah, I mean, like when it comes to a season long perspective, I love Merrifield, um, but he's actually one of my guys that I'm not too pumped about and like over the next couple of days as far as the daily play goes um but um overall I know you love Whit Merrifield and I know he's very much you know a scenario that I like to pay attention to uh throughout the season but uh, if you look at his numbers I mean, it's a very small sample size but I like Whit Merrifield and I think he just needs a little bit more exposure for me to really take him a little bit more seriously um and I know last year he had a kind of a, an abbreviated season after he was brought up but I was always kind of rooting for him because his transition in his league wasn't as erratic as most so I do like wit for sure yeah well you know like I always say you cannot spell wit without uh without hit yes it's a w for win plus hit right right yes so uh yeah you know and again it's not like a big you know like standard mixed league impact there um but uh you know, in the 14 and 15 team leagues, uh, yeah, I think Whit Merrifield could help. Mm-hmm. You, but we also have to just keep an eye on the fact that, uh, you know, it's not a sure thing that he's going to play every day. There's Christian Cologne uh, who could certainly play mm-hmm. there. So, um, you know, we'll we'll just see how that all how that all works out. Um, in other news, uh, and this one certainly uh, you know, sending some alarms for for some fantasy owners, Yuan Cespedes uh, left last night's game with a hamstring cramp and he mm-hmm. is getting an MRI today. I've not seen anything regarding that uh, today, uh, today being Friday, but uh, 
the uh, word so far, the reports are that he will miss at least two or three days. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll uh, obviously have to follow that because, uh, you know, for daily and for weekly, that's that's a big one there. Uh, so we'll right. see what happens with Jan Cespedes. Uh, Daniel Murphy was scratched yesterday for the Nationals against the Braves with right leg ten- uh, tightness. So he is day-to-day. Same thing for Xander Bogarts, who went for tests on his thumb, which he jammed during the uh, during the game. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, have to keep tabs on all of those, uh, you know, universally owned players. Cespedes, Daniel Murphy, Xander Bogarts. But in better news, Jason Kipnis is expected to be activated today. And, in fact, I'm just going to take a quick look here. And, we, yeah, we do not have an Indians lineup yet, but there, that's a, a 10 Eastern start. So that one could possibly come out during the hour, and if it does, we'll mm-hmm. uh, keep you posted on that because even if he's activated, doesn't necessarily mean uh, Kipnis would start, but uh, big deal for people who have been stashing Jason Kipnis for sure. Uh, yeah. The Tigers are expected to put Jose Iglesias on the seven-day concussion DL. Uh, did you happen to see that, uh, that play just at the end of the game on, uh, on Wednesday night? Uh, I didn't see the play the itself. Play. No, I didn't see the actual play. No. Yeah, it was it was ugly. Um, yeah. And you know, I talked about this with Heath on yesterday's show, but it was just a, a bizarre play and a, and a heartbreaking one for the Tigers, uh, uh, not only because of uh, Iglesias getting hurt on the play, but uh, it was a game losing play where mm-hmm. Francisco Rodriguez loaded the bases, and then but he, he looked like he was going to get out of it with this double play ball, and Kinsler made uh, kind of a, a a clumsy feed to Iglesias, who then kind of stumbled over the bag, went on the ground, threw the ball away, and, and pretty much at the same time that that was happening, uh, took a, a knee to the head. So just a, a bad, bad way uh, for that, that game to go. And uh, Iglesias now looks like is going on the uh, concussion DL. The other side of that transaction is that the Tigers will be calling up uh, closer of the future Joe Jimenez. And... You know, the future probably for some Tigers fans can't come clo- uh, soon enough because uh, K-Rod's not been reliable in the role. And, I mean, he's been sort of an adventure in the ninth inning, you know, for, for a while now, going back to last year. So how do you see this playing out, Jess? Um, you think Jimenez, you know, now that he's up for the second time this year, do you think there's going to be a shorter leash for Rodriguez? Uh, do you think Jimenez is necessarily the guy? I mean, it seems to me that, that Rodriguez just has an endless number of, of lives here as the Tigers closer. But do you, do you think there's a chance for a change at some point relatively soon? Um, yes and no. I think it's, I've noticed a lot of times, especially at this point of the season, um, there's a lot of leashes that are being given out, especially, you know, with the scenario with Familia, like the same thing with him. They're going to ease him into his scenario and all of that. So a lot of times when you look at that, you have to think about your fantasy um, ownership, whether, believe it or not, for me, when a, when a manager or any front officer or any sort of coach says, you know, the leash scenario or we're going to ease somebody into it, I really – I really hold on to that statement because most of the time it actually rings true. So you hear somebody saying like, Oh, you know, I'm going to keep him on a shorter leash or, you know, ease, ease this guy into it. He definitely will. So my thing is, you know, don't go all in on somebody, but um, this scenario is really interesting because like you said, there's the, the multiple live scenario that's given, given to him. So um, it's, it's more or less kind of a wait and see scenario. And especially when somebody's constantly being 
promoted and demoted and stuff, that's always a red flag for me. So when this type of situation is happening, it's a, I don't know, it's, it's definitely a scenario where you kind of have to like be a little bit more observant and see what ultimately plays out. I think that's all we can do. You know, I mean, yeah. those of us who, who do own Rodriguez, um, you know, or maybe want to just see a, a fresh, you know, fresh face on the waiver wire there with safe possibilities, want to see something happen sooner. I'm not particularly optimistic that's going to happen. But it's a situation yeah. you, you kind of scan the majors and you, you see, um, you know, where what's going on in, in the closer pool. Uh, this is one you definitely have to watch. Um, speaking of that, uh, Hector Neris got the save for the Phillies uh, last night against the Mets. Uh, and Joaquin Benoit, who had been appointed the closer, but had already blown the save, pitched the eighth inning. Uh, and then the only comment that the manager, Pete McCannon, had to offer after the game is, it's nice to have two guys who can close. So it doesn't mm-hmm. really sound like it's Benoit's job anymore, at least not all by himself. But um, I think it's probably not a controversial thing to say that Neris is the guy to own now. He's got the better skill set. People have been clamoring for him to close for, you know, probably close to 12 months now. Um, yeah. Uh, and you, you, you concur with that? You think that's, that's the way to go? Yeah, I like Neris. And he was definitely one of my bigger investments. Um, when people ask me about him, I would say, oh, yeah, absolutely. I like the Neris scenario for sure, especially because he has a really good uh, specialty pitch. His slider I really love. Um, and so as far as that, that goes, I, I'm glad that he's kind of doing well because, I mean, not only because of the fact where people were really redundantly asking me about him, so I did a little bit more research on him, and I think he's definitely a really good um, high, high value and high production type of, of pitcher. So I'm, I think he's doing great so far. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, he, again, he really probably should have been the closer last year. Uh, Jemar Gomez, who had the job for almost the whole season, he, he did well enough. And he's, you know, when you talk about Jemar Gomez, working on a thin margin, skating on thin ice, those are all uh, expressions that get used with him because he's not a strikeout guy and he doesn't have, uh, you know, absolutely immaculate control either. Uh, so Neris was the one that I think people were rooting for a year ago. And I think now finally, even though McCann won't commit to it, it really just seems like he, this is, this is his time. So if he's available out there, uh, I think he's not only going to get the bulk of the saves going forward, but he's going to put up some pretty nice uh, peripherals along the way, give you a lot of strikeouts, uh, probably help you with ERA and whip, as well as saves. So uh, you never quite could be sure what's going to happen there in Philadelphia, but kind of hard not to see it going that way at this point. And then one more news item, Jess. Uh, 19-year-old Cuban outfielder Luis Robert is now officially a free agent. He's been uh, announced as a free agent by, um, by Major League Baseball, and teams can sign him as soon as May 20th. So there's a piece on MLB.com where they uh, picked uh, the five, I think it's five teams that they think are the most likely uh, landing spots. You know, the White Sox were at the top of that list there. But it's a 19-year-old, so probably not somebody who's going to uh, you know, have an impact this year, but certainly becomes uh, where do you, you think know, a, Where do you think he's going to end up? I, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, yeah. At this point, yeah. I mean, the White Sox make a lot of sense, really. Um, I, you know, and again, I'm just gonna, you know, speculate, but uh, they certainly have the, you know, the need, and um, you know, it's, it's. I think it's again somebody who's much more involved 
I think with you know uh, with kind of the inside game of how these teams operate, we'd have a much better answer for that. But uh, yeah, and that's it's, not he's the, the yeah the A's <laughs> yeah no exactly, and the A's are brought up naturally because when it comes to the A's, it's like oh he's young and he's good. <laughs> that's literally exactly. what the A's are always <laughs> looking for. So I'm always like. Okay, well, of course he was brought up in A's conversation, so I was asked about him, and I think it's it's just it's it's adorable, like the amount of attention that he's getting. So I'm really I'm, I'm hoping that he's successful, but naturally the reason why I was asked about it is like yeah, he's probably going to end up on the A's. Well, it was like he's literally the perfect candidate candidacy for an A's roster spot, so it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, well, and you know, be a good good signing most likely. He's uh, got great power, and you know, again, just 19, so can uh, you know develop further. Well, we've got to head into our first break. Uh, when we come back, we will take a look at some of the lineups that are out already and uh, take a look at the weather, too, that might be affecting some of the games on tonight's slate and uh, look at some of the standout performances from yesterday as well. So stick around. We'll be right back. I think we're back. I apologize. Uh, I didn't realize we were uh, back, but uh, this is Al Melchior. I am your host for uh, FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and uh, with me today is Jessica Kleinschmidt. And just uh, as we uh, promised right before the break, we take a look at some uh, some of the lineups that are in. And I mentioned maybe we have the Indians lineup. We don't have that, but we do have the White Sox. Uh, Indians playing at the White Sox. And uh, we do have... Uh, Tim Anderson uh, at the, in the leadoff spot. So no Tyler Saladino uh, in the game today. Got Yomar Sanchez at second base and Tim Anderson leading off against the Indians. But hopefully that means that we get that Indian lineup soon and we see what's going on with uh, Jason Kipnis. And uh, the Red Sox and the Orioles, as I mentioned before the break, there's uh, no Xander Bogart. So you've got Marco Hernandez playing uh, shortstop. And for the Orioles, got Craig Gentry leading off against the, the lefty Drew Pomeranz. But we do have Trey Mancini mm-hmm. in the lineup, uh, DHing and batting seventh. So, um, so anyhow, uh, Jess, uh, any interest in Mancini uh, tonight going up against Pomeranz? Um, the the thing about this scenario, all the whole game just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. And the reason why is because the bats alone kind of worry me and not in a bad way. That'd be like, if I have to go against any of the bats, that would probably be a scenario that I'd be a little bit worried about. But as far as Mancini goes, um, the only thing that I could see as far as like a daily play is the fact that he, he did drop in price and that could make him a little bit more, I guess, you know, lovable in that scenario i know like salary um, has a a lot lot of people's radar and it's actually a laughable salary at that so i can see him stashed in a little bit a few a little bit exposure a little bit percentages whatever the term is with all the kids say um but the thing about him is is he's not very consistent and um, that of course from a season-long perspective and all of that and i just don't like where he's at in the lineup but just the seventh spot i'm not really too keen on is at baltimore which is great um but i think that um you know 
lefties are usually going to show off their power there at Camden. I, I don't see him being super successful against Pomerantz, um, especially if you're a BVP person, which you shouldn't be. Um, the whole lefty-righty matchup is, is interesting in this scenario, but I don't like his, his lineup placement, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's not, not ideal, not for, uh, certainly not for Daly. Uh, one thing you probably won't have to worry about is the game being delayed or postponed. There is a slight chance of precipitation currently at 23%. Uh, there in Baltimore, uh, but game that you probably need to worry a little bit more about would be the Braves at the Phillies, uh, 22% chance of precipitation, but heavier more towards, uh, you know, what would be the middle innings of that game, and also some chance of maybe a delay or cancellation in Arlington with the Royals and the Rangers, 18% chance of precipitation, but going up uh, as high as 39% at uh, 10 o'clock tonight. So, uh Few games there to look uh, look at in terms of weather when uh, you know you're uh, setting your your lineups up for daily leagues or for DFS. And uh, before we get into some of the really uh, notable performances from Thursday, just a quick note about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you'll get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. Get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter promo code FREERADIO at the checkout for a special discount. So, Jess, yesterday, ah, oh, Jose Bautista, Golden mm. Sombrero, <laughs> over four or four strikeouts against the Red Sox. And granted, that was the brilliant Chris Sale start. It was actually quite the pitching matchup all around. Also, nice performance by Marco Estrada. Bullpens did well. But uh, Bautista just been brutal this year, batting 109 now, still no home runs. Um, mm. And, and I thought he was going to be such a bargain this year. I think maybe he still could be. But if you go and look at the underlying peripherals for Bautista, there's really nowhere to hide. You know, there's nowhere to say, well, he's making hard contact. Right. or you know, <laughs> it's, it's all bad. So what do you do if you're a Jose Bautista owner? Yeah, and you mentioned it, right? Like, I looked at his hard contact rate thinking, like, oh, well, maybe he's hitting the ball hard, but they're not going anywhere. But it's, it's, non, it's not consistent. Yeah, so I mean, do you, oh, a lot of- I mean, I, I, I think it's premature to, to to cut bait with Bautista. But how long do you give him? Right, exactly, and I think that's that depends. Um, and you know, a lot of times you're in these leagues with these people who are diehard fans. And I feel like if you're a true Blue Jays fan, you're going to hold on to him as much as possible. And you always have a guy or a girl in your league who will do that. But for me, I don't have any emotional attachment to him at this point. And like, we're expecting a lot. And, you know, Gibbons himself said like, Oh, you know, like maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself and like he's going through a rut. But I feel like when you're, when you're a guy like Batista, where you have the veteran status, you should know better. You should know your playing ability and all the off-season drama that was happening, you've got to kind of cut ties with him. I would cut him off right now. I think you can still, with, with his name and the fact that he should have a power production, you could get something back from in a trade situation. But right now, I, I have no attachment to him whatsoever. So you would just flat-out drop him? 
I would. And I feel like it has a lot to do with the fact that I, I'm kind of like over the Jays bats at this moment. And I feel like when, you know, I've done a lot of segments where people are asking me about what's going on with the Jays who were concentrating too hard on Josh Donaldson's calf injury. And it was like, yeah, but there's way more to the story that's going on with these bats are just non-existent. And it's almost like people didn't want to admit that Jose Batista wasn't, you know, performing. And now that he's having games like yeah. this, it's kind of like, all right, well, obviously something's happening, but you know, if you if you want to say that just dropping him is silly, I totally agree with you on that point. But I'm more of a I'm over it kind of scenario when it comes to fantasy aspects. So probably makes me a bad person, but I just don't care at this point. He's not performing, <laughs> and you need to do what you got to do. And especially when you're going into the season, you know you probably went up for him. You know what I'm saying? So that's probably why I'm a little salty at this moment. Well, it doesn't make you a bad person, Jeff. However, if we were in a league together. You know, I would be, I would definitely be putting a claim on him if you were dropping him. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that, I don't know if that makes me a good person or a bad person. And it might not even make me a good. I think it makes me a good fantasy owner because I think it's it's early, but it, there's no guarantee that Bautista, you know, rebounds in a way that's going to help you. Uh, you know, certainly in the three outfielder league, I uh, would think in the five outfielder right. league, your, your odds are better. But yeah, we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see how this goes. I I would make the the play for him right now, though. I would do that. So. Uh, also, Jonathan VR struggling a bit now on Thursday. He did go two for four against the Cardinals. That brought his batting average up to 159. But he is offering the speed-power combination. Can't complain about that. Three home runs, mm-hmm. four stolen bases. But the batting average, um, you know, extremely disappointing. And he is striking out a lot. So would you make a similar move right. there with VR, or does he deserve a little more patience? I, I would have a lot of patience with VR because of the fact that you mentioned he's more of a combo type of player. Well, you're not going in here thinking like, oh, look, he's going to hit all these bombs kind of deal. But his production, his hitting has not been there, so that would make me a little bit you know, hesitant. He's definitely a guy that I'm willing to be a little bit more patient for because of those rare you know, combinations that he does bring to the fantasy game, which I have always respected out of those types of players. Um, but he's just he struggles with those extra base hits and if you have the mentality where you weren't expecting that much from him maybe you feel a little bit better but he does have power I just don't think he like and he's showcasing his power he's just not really making enough contact with the ball but I, I it's hard for me to drop a guy who has that much speed yeah well and and now he's the opposite of Bautista in the sense that if you do go and look at the bad ball data that totally supports the having the face and a, and a comeback from him because he is making hard contact so um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think VR, if anything, see if you can do a buy low on him. I think you might, you might not have much luck with that because people are going to see that he's got the power and the speed still, but it, I think it's worth a try. Uh, yeah. In terms of some players who are maybe a little, you know, less heralded, uh, but maybe deserve our attention now, uh, Heath and I talked on yesterday's show about Ryan Zimmerman and some of the changes he's made in terms of how he, uh, how he uh, presents himself at the plate, but uh, whatever he's doing, it's, it's paying off. And a uh, two-for-four game mm-hmm. with a home run and a double. Steven Souza, three-for-five against the Tigers uh, with a single short of the cycle. So extra base power from Souza and from Zimmerman. And the Brewers just keep slugging. Eric Thames is eighth home run. Travis Shaw has fifth. Jet Bandy is fourth. We'll leave Bandy aside for now. For now. But of those four, Souza, Zimmerman, Thames, and Shaw, who do you think is, is going to have the most uh, staying power in the seasonal league? I would say Shaw 
And, and the reason why is I just, I feel like, and if you, this is actually a really cute thing that one of my, my, I'm trying to get one of my girlfriends to play fantasy baseball, like so bad. And so what I tried to do, I was like, well, Hey, like one, if you really are not into baseball, but pretend if you can download one of these apps that tell you like every time one of your favorite player scores, go with that. And Shaw kept popping up for her. And she was like, wow, like he's really doing well. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's kind of showing like he's obviously productive. And I, so, that, so that's kind of where I started off my um, scenario towards uh, going towards Travis Shaw. So I like his production value. And I kind of like the fact that he can kind of do a little bit of everything. Not a, and I'm not taking that away from, you know, the other guys, obviously. I mean, obviously like Souza as well, because I think he's doing a lot of amazing things. He really is becoming a little bit more um, productive at the plate, patient at the plate. So he worked on his off-season skills at all. So, but for some reason, I just keep going more towards Towards Shaw. It's just something that I've been so more, doing over the last few weeks. More than Eric Faines. I mean, we've seen a lot more of Shaw the last few years in the majors. Yeah. But uh, so you. Wow. Okay. I think. I, I think. Know, I, I think the same. Yeah. No, I think the same thing is great. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like it. There's almost too much um, attention on him. And I feel like that's yeah, that's well, something I always you know, get and, and, annoyed and with. And like, yeah. No, I think it rightfully so. But you know, it's again, it's been two and a half weeks. So at least with Shaw, I think you have some idea of what kind of hitter he is now and, and what he's mm-hmm. going to give you in Thames. We still have to sort of weigh the possibility of, um, you know, is this uh, is he a flash in the pan? But uh, you know, it's, I think it's not an easy one to answer. But uh, right. well, we, we've got a couple other hitters I want to talk about. I actually do want to come back to Jet Bandy, and not just because he has the coolest name in the major leagues, but uh, come they, back to him. These three sound like, they sound, they sound like they're like in an, a rock band. Like, oh yeah! If you really look, like, like Thames, Shaw, and Bandy, it sounds like a cover band of like White Snake. Could be, could be. Well, we will ponder that, Jess, <laughs> when we come back, along with some of the pitching standouts, and let's take a couple of Twitter questions while we're at it too. So stick around; we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with us from FanRag Sports is Jessica Kleinschmidt. And, Jess, we were talking about the Brewers right before the break, right before the break uh, all the power that they're showing. And one of the Brewers that uh, homered yesterday against the Cardinals was Jet Bandy, his fourth home run already. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. He's got to be one of the, the pleasant surprises. And I got an interesting question on Twitter earlier in the day. Um, I'm guessing this is somebody probably in the two-catcher league, but they wanted to know who was the better pickup, Jet Bandy or Austin Hedges. And Hedges also homered yesterday, went two for three. They're uh, you know both showing some power. They both have awesome names. As you said, Jet Bandy's probably the leader of a um, White Snake tribute band. And Austin Hedges right. is, a, is a complete sentence all in, in of, of itself. So, um, you know, uh, they, there's a lot to recommend them there. But, uh, you know, in terms of fantasy baseball, who, who would you rather have as number two catcher? Man, you know, I'm, I'm going a little bit more towards Bandy in this scenario, and I think that just has to do with the fact where I'm putting him in a scenario where you're not expecting a lot of power out of that position where he's at, and he's just excelling. Um, and it could be, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I've watched Austin Hedges a little bit more. I'm thinking, like, Bandy's more of a newbie for me. Um, but these numbers, when you're looking at Bandy's numbers, they're just out of control. His ISO is phenomenal. He's, his power is there. 
um, and everything like that. He's not going to be obviously giving you a lot of extra base hits, but he's, he's making contact and he's showing off his power. So I'd probably go more towards Bandy. That's what I uh, told the person asking the question. Yeah, but I really had to think yeah. about it for a couple of minutes because they're very similar. Yeah. Uh, I think neither one's going to be a big threat for OBP uh, if that's your sort of thing. You know, if you're in a league that, that values that. Um, they both have some power potential. Uh, Hedges got off to a slower start. But, yeah, I give Bandy the slight edge. Um, now, you talked about watching Hedges. I know another guy that you, you watched uh, come up, Mitch Haniger. And people want to know about mm-hmm. Mitch Haniger. But he has become almost universally owned, like seemingly overnight. Um, yeah. But no, you know, no secret why. I mean, he's off to a great start. And we got two questions about Haniger. Uh, one is from at Mer- uh, Mandarino Mark. And he says, uh, can you compare Kiermaier to Haniger? Seems like both have some power speed upside. I think that's a good, uh, it's a good observation. So uh, how would you compare them to one another? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I, it's just like everybody has this joke that I'm obsessed with Mitch Haniger, and it is true. And that was because, you know, I, I saw him before kind of everyone else did when he was, you know, in – in the minors. And I was honestly genuinely worried about him with his transition. I was worried he was going to be like another Peter O'Brien kind of scenario. So Haniger is finally kind of proving himself with everything that he's been doing, whether it's, you know, hitting. And obviously he's, I think he still needs some more exposure to have more of an on-base kind of presence. Um, He does have this speed. um, So it's kind of difficult for me to compare, honestly, both of them, just because of the fact where, you know, I know we've been watching Kevin for years, Kevin for years after years after years. So I feel like Haniger could be at this moment, if he didn't have as much, I guess, attention on him, maybe the poor man's Kevin Kermeyer, if you want to go towards that route. But it's difficult for me to kind of compare them both because I feel like Haniger still needs a little bit more time um, in the bigs. And I, but I also think enough time has gone by where people are finally taking him seriously. So it's kind of difficult for me. That's a really a weird comparison. I'm obviously always going to go towards Haniger because I'm a little bit biased in that scenario. But, I mean, I could see somebody asking about him if that makes if that makes it a little bit – like, I, I appreciated the question, but I think that would honestly go more towards Haniger just because of the raw factor, and it's new, and it's different. And, if, I mean, I don't even know if Kevin would be more of a safer option, to be honest, but I think Haniger has proven to be a safer option as well. So it's a difficult scenario. It's very, it's very difficult. I will say, you know, I'm going to weasel this a little bit and say I think Haniger's probably got a little more power than Kiermaier, and I think is a much safer bet for steals. Um. So, you know, I, I think for me that's, that's a tiebreaker, but if you're going to make me choose in the proverbial vacuum, I think I would go, I'd probably go Haniger. Boy, that's, that's tough. That's mm-hmm. really tough. Um, at least we're unanimous there. And then at Michael yeah. Stocklos, uh, another Haniger question, could we compare and talk about Mitch Haniger and Marcelo Zuna? And can they be top 25 outfielders? At least this one I think there's a little more differentiation because we don't really, even though Ozuna, I think it was last year, said he would still 30 bases. He's not a stolen base guy. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a little bit more differentiation. I think Haniger, you know, gives you a little bit broader range of, of production. But uh, how, how do you compare them and which, if either of them do you think could be top 25? 
Um, I mean, I've, I definitely think Mitch Haniger's gearing more towards the top 25 guy. And like I mentioned, he still needs to prove a little bit more, not just to, to me, but everyone else. But I do like Azuna. Um, the only thing that I have, I mean, they're, I mean, they're both striking out relatively around the same rate. Um, but I do like just the fact that Azuna is just like an athlete. You know, when you see him play, you're like, this guy's phenomenal. And I'm not saying Haniger's not, but, you know, to watch him, he's productive, but you're not when you look at him, you're not automatically thinking, oh, this guy's like a freak athlete. It's Hanniger. Like, what are you, you going to do? You know, so it's kind of just a, a funny scenario. But as bet- between this comparison, um, for me, the tiebreaker was more or less towards, like, the matchup that's going on. Um, but for me, I'm rarely going to say no to you starting Hanniger. And obviously, I've been a little bit more obsessive over Hanniger's situation. Um, Ozuna's not, you know, walking as much. I don't think Hanniger is um, crazy as far as the walking scenario goes either let me double check that actually yeah Hanniger's walking way more than Azuna um so it depends on like yeah, and, how um your tiebreaker scenario is some people have weird tiebreakers um but I would probably give more towards Hanniger on this this scenario as well I yeah this this one I'm sorry Jessica yeah this one for me is clear I, w- I would go Hanniger yeah I would uh you know if, if we were doing over under in terms of you know 25th or higher or under I'd take the under on both but I think Hanniger's got mm-hmm. a better shot cracking the top. Yeah, he's like he's, so. he's definitely well on his way towards top twenty-five. Whether he cracks it, I'm not sure, but he'll definitely be in the discussion yeah. if there ever was a discussion. Yeah, rising up the charts with the bullet. Um, right. That's my outdated reference of the day. I should make that a, a daily feature because I do it anyway. <laughs> so, right. moving on to pitching, Jess. We've talked a lot about the hitters. Um, a lot of uh, you know, aces uh, pitching on Thursday and a lot of ace-like performances didn't really get let down. Chris Sale, uh, Noah Syndergaard, I mean, he gave up five runs, but only three were earned. Uh, Steven Strasburg, they all performed well for their fantasy owners. Lance McCullers, another great start. Um, Danny Duffy, an excellent start in a crazy mm-hmm. pitcher's duel uh, in Texas. Um, but, uh, you know, also a handful of great starts uh, by the way, uh, James Paxton finally gave up some runs. So his, not, not a great start for James Paxton, mm. but a great season so far. But, uh, you know, some, some performances that don't fit the mold, uh, most of them good. But Carlos Martinez, he had that very, very weird start at Yankee Stadium uh, a week ago, or roughly a week ago, and sort of a strange one here, too, uh, at Milwaukee, you know, all those home runs being hit. Just five innings for uh, Carmart, five runs allowed, uh, seven strikeouts, two walks, seven hits. But he's got an ERA now just out of five at 4.76. Is mm-hmm. there a reason to worry about Carmart? No, no, not at all. He's striking out people left and right. Um, so, I mean, if you're an ERA person, that's fine. But his K-9 rate, he's, it's, it's ridiculous. So he's, he's striking a lot of people out. I wouldn't worry about it too much. I mean, obviously, don't go by his wins and losses because that will steer you away also. But I, I like Carlos Martinez, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. And I mean, he had he walked all those uh, Yankees in that one game, but uh, only two walks in this one. So yeah, I would agree. Be patient with with uh, Martinez. Now, a few yeah. pitchers who um, you know were unexpectedly awesome, or at least I didn't expect them to be all that awesome. Andrew Kashner in that uh, crazy game uh, against the Royals, six score, scoreless innings, three hits but four walks, and three strikeouts. So uh, at least that part of the line is sort of Kashner-like. And then you had uh, a couple other pitchers duels, the uh, Reds and the uh, Orioles. You had Scott Feldman and Wade Miley, both going deep into the game, only allowing one run. And then uh, 
at San Diego, you had Patrick Corbin and Clayton Richard both uh, putting, putting up uh, quality starts. And they also had identical eight strikeout, zero walk lines. And those are two pitchers you would not mm-hmm. expect uh, necessarily either of those stats from. So Kashner, Miley, Feldman, Richard, Corbin, who do you like out of that group? I mean, I, I've been kind of you know, veering around Corbin. He's finally proving himself to me. And, I, and he actually popped up recently um, in this particular matchup because um, how cheap he was. And people were asking me because of my Diamondback background. The reason why I liked uh, Corbin was it started off with, with how cheap he was going. If you're looking at his um, strikeout rate, you're not going to be too um, impressed with kind of what he's bringing to the table but his era is very fair um he's doing wonderfully in that scenario and when people are hitting off them they're hitting a lot of ground balls off of him and if he can do that at a field like chase we're going to have to see him do a little bit more um that's definitely that proves it to me um nonetheless and and when people do make contact it's not any hard contact rate so i really like corbin for kind of a sneaky play and take advantage of that before he gets super expensive and too productive and everything like that. So I'm, I'm kind of becoming a Corbin fan once again. I liked him a couple of years back, and I think he's finally redoing himself and, and reinventing himself. The whole Diamondback starting rotation really is, and I'm glad he is as well. Uh, yeah, no, and I was really on the verge of giving up on Corbin, so the start kind of reeled me back in a little bit. We got a Twitter question uh, that involves Corbin, so we got to go to break in about a minute, but we can just really quickly answer this question for at mgallop0. Zellman was dropped in my league. Would you cut Graveman or Corbin to pick him up? I'm guessing you wouldn't yes. cut Corbin. <laughs> From what I you mean, were just saying. I mean, when, it, when it's a Zellman scenario, it's a different type of thing. Um, and I've been really liking Graveman's production. I don't want to answer this. I really don't. Um, <laughs> I would, if I had to, I could see myself dropping Graveman maybe, but that would be, that I would definitely have to kind of talk myself into that. Definitely a tiebreaker situation for me. I, I wouldn't. Um, and Graveman, of course, is, is, you know, out right now, uh, but he's, he's progressing uh, on mm-hmm. his way back from, um, uh, from his uh, arm tightness. But, um, yeah, no, Graveman just has shown great promise. And like I said, I was pretty close to, to dropping Corbin in some leagues. But I, I would keep them both, not because of a, it's a great, um, you know, vote of confidence on my part for Corbin, just that I'm, I'm just not that impressed by Gizelman. So, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would not do that. So, again, we're helping mm-hmm. out here with the United Front, unanimous answer. So uh, thank you for that question. And uh, that sends us right into break, Jess. So when we come back, we're going to talk about tonight's DFS slate, talk about some teams with some pretty outstanding splits, lefty-righty, and uh, figure out what that all means. So please stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And my guest today, also from FanRag Sports, is Jessica Kleinschmidt. And uh, it's always good to have Jess on when we've got a full uh, evening slate, which is what we have tonight, because uh, she can help us out with uh, some DFS recommendations. Um, mm-hmm. So, Jess, uh, as far as the slate goes tonight, are there any per, uh, particular pitchers that you're favoring? 
Well, the thing about tonight's pitchers I've noticed is, and it could be the price range, and there's three types of price ranges. There's like the Dylan Bundy of 2016 price ranges before he became a thing where you like cross the industry super, super cheap, or they're the mid-tier range with the Bartolo Colognes. Jeremy Hellickson's going to be a little bit more expensive. Or then you have the super expensive ones where it could be Matt Harvey. Um, he's not really that expensive, but um, Cole Hamels types of guys. So I really like Cole Hamels tonight since we're sticking there. Even though it is um, at Arlington, he's going up against those Royals bats. And, um, of course, it's going to be lefty, um, lefty against a righty-heavy uh, lineup if they stick with um, what they're going for. So I actually, we did talk about Whit Merrifield earlier, and um, he was one of the guys that I told a lot of people to actually sit in this scenario. Um because of the fact that this um, scenario is going up and, and Marisol's super cheap across the industry. But, you know, for some reason, I feel like uh, Dixon Machado, not Manny Machado, Dixon Machado, who will be replacing <laughs> Jose Iglesias when he's on the DL. I think he's going to go off. Plus he's at minimum salary across the industry. And those are my favorite types of guys. There was a scenario last year. I begged people, um, to start Tyler Austin, he went at two bombs and you go for those minimum salary guys who are going to eat up a little bit of your salary. If you have a few thousand dollars left over, I suggest going towards those guys. So I would say Cole Hamels is probably one of the number one guys. And then um, Jose Quintana is of course going up against the Indians. If Kipnis does get the start, um, and of course, it feels like every single other lineup has been confirmed except for this one. I think Kipnis can That's still right. be successful against. Right, exactly. It's like everything else is is fine, but this one's waiting forever. Kipnis does really well against lefties on the road. So if he does come out, even if you do think he's going to regress, I still think he's going to be somewhat successful against Quintana. So I definitely suggest thinking about that scenario. But I do like Jose um, as far as going up against this entire entire lineup. On the flip side, you could totally say that I'm an idiot and go towards the Corey Kluber situation. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of people are going to be stacking against Kluber. So that's what's always an interesting scenario. And then, of course, you have Verlander um, on the bump and uh, Johnny Cueto. So the cool thing about tonight, and it depends on what what um, site that you're playing on, is there aren't going to be a lot of double-digit um, as far as p- uh, pitchers go, as far as uh, the salary goes. So you're not having to worry about that. But that also sometimes makes it difficult because sometimes if you have an expensive pitcher, you're like, oh, I'm obviously going to go all in on, you know, Max Scherzer or Zach Greinke or whoever. Um, so they're kind of at the awkward price range. But there's a lot of the cheap pitchers too. You know, Matt Latos just got uh, promoted and there's like the Alex Meyer and then uh, Sean Manea is always the guy that I, I like to start too. And they're all the late night slates. There's so much to choose from. So pitching-wise, you're not – there's no guy that you can really are going to struggle with. Um, so just pay attention to the prices and look at the matchups. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of tiebreakers for the BVP world. Um, I know people hate the BVP world, but if you have these guys that are so at the salary range, like sometimes your BVP and the ballpark factor could um, break that scenario for you. All right. Well, you know, I want to go back and talk about Hamels a bit. Cause I, yeah, I like the matchup uh, against the Royals at home. Um, mm-hmm. But as we mentioned earlier, that's one of the games, uh, one of really you know, just two or so, that um, there's, there's some delay or cancellation concern. Uh, so looking right now, our friends from uh, Roto-Grinders, um, the uh, Kevin Roth forecast there, uh, mm-hmm. 18% chance precipitation at game time, which is not too bad, but then you're going up to the 30s uh, within an hour of game time. So um, is there... I mean, is it worth sort of the the risk there when you have an option like Verlander uh, at the Twins? I kind of like that matchup. Um, and in a way, I, in a way, I may even like it better than Hamels. Um, 
So is, is there a particular reason maybe not to go Verlander, it's just simply price or, or something else? Yeah, Verlander's situation could be price, but it also could be an ownership scenario too. So if you're very much uh, obsessed okay. with this Verlander against the Twins, that's because a lot of people are. So, I mean, if you're, if you're the type of person where you really worry about ownership percentage, Verlander is probably your number one ace tonight if you want to look at it that way. So that, that always makes you think, okay, that means a lot of people are going to go all in on him. So if you want to have the mentality of going all in on one pitcher, it's probably going to be towards Verlander, but that just means his ownership prices are going to spike. And, um, you know, Verlander is always successful. So if he, he's def- definitely going to be a tournament play for a lot of people. And the beauty of that is, though, you can have fun with more of the stacks um, across the industry. There's so many that you can do. If you want to go towards the cheaper prices, obviously, and the, bat- the batting production is going to be there. But, yeah, I absolutely agree. It's definitely a matchup, but it's a popular matchup. So that means a lot of people are going to be playing that. So if you end up winning the million-dollar tournament, you have to – split it millions of ways and you end up getting $14. Who wants to do that? So that's kind of one of those scenarios. Uh, now, you had mentioned uh, Dixon Machado before. Um, but are there any uh, bargain and, and – uh, well, anyway, I, I, let me just uh, yeah, go, go on with the, the question I had. So are there any other bargain hitters, not necessarily, you know, rock bottom, but, um, you know, any bargain hitters that you would recommend for tonight? Yeah, absolutely. So I always, um, you know, sticking with it, uh, you know, there's uh, Jacoby Jones. And for some reason, he just continues to be cheap. And before the word gets out on him, I really like him. Um, so he's very, very cheap, around, always around minimum salary across the industry. And he's very productive. He's going up against Hector Santiago. And the projected lineup isn't quite done yet, but I'm pretty sure the pitcher is going to stay. So somebody along um, that line is always phenomenal. Uh, there is uh, Austin. Sorry to interrupt, but when you said the projected lineup, uh, Jess, you mean the Tigers lineup? Uh, no, the Twins. So he's okay, at the so moment. Like I know, yeah, yeah. At the moment, I know. I know Hector, Hector got the start. But I don't know about the full lineup quite yet. You know, I just don't trust it anymore. Um, but it's kind of you know one of those scenarios. Um, the the interesting um, thing about Chase Utley is the fact that he's very very cheap across the industry, um, and. People do like a Dodger stack only because very rarely, besides the Justin Turners, because the guys, you know, obviously he's got power and Corey Seager's, they're not going to break the bank for you. So if you want to stuff in Chase Utley there, I wouldn't talk you out of that um, either. Um, and as far as uh, Giants bats, they're all going to be expensive. So I suggest, you know, have that mentality going into it if you do want to spend up as far as uh, that goes. Um, same thing with uh, the Astros. They're one of my favorite teams to follow fantasy-wise as well, um, but they're they're going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, Rene Rivera. I love Rene Rivera. He's at minimum salary across the industry. So if you find little – I love Rene Rivera. He can really, you know, do something for you. And the thing about him is if you look at these minimum salary guys, if you have $2,200 left, um, and that could be like on the, on the FanDuel um, site. There's guys that are going to be worth $2,200. They're going to be worth $2,000 and then like $3,000. So if you really want to save some money, I suggest going for a guy like that. Um, Josh Bell is still not quite um, as, as expensive as he, you know, his production and performance went. He's pretty cheap across the industry. Always a guy that I like to stash in my lineups. And Dansby Swanson, the word, the word's obviously out on him, but nobody has really figured out the price and production quite yet. He's only a little bit above mm-hmm. um, the minimum salary across the industry. So those types of guys I'm always um, willing to put in my lineup to fill up a little bit of space without feeling like, oh, he's just a waste of space. There's still going to be some, some production value there. Um, let's go back to the, the Tigers for a second because um, 
I don't think I heard you mention them as a stack possibility. Of course, they're a righty-loaded lineup that's facing mm-hmm. the lefty Santiago. You did mention Jacoby Jones, and I don't know if you remember, Jess, but you know, way back, um, you know, like a month ago, we talked about Jones as a potential guy mm-hmm. to to start in daily uh, against the lefty. But you guys got a few lefty killers in there. Uh, James McCann, um, Mikey Matuk uh, has some potential there against lefties. Is there the possibility for a, a very affordable Tiger stack? Absolutely. And and that's everyone from, obviously, Miguel Cabrera is going to be your most expensive guy. But if you get him and you go from, like, um, you know, McCann, Jones, and Romine, those guys, I mean, Romine is difficult for me to um, sometimes stack. But you can also do a situation with McCann, Jones, you can pop up up to number one with Ian Kinsler. So you can always do that type of stack um, and then kind of skip. Um, they're, especially at these prices, you cannot say no to them. Um, so that's always something that I like to, to do. And if you want to flip-flop, you know, if you want to skip on Victor Martinez, that's okay, too. There's Justin Upton, who's somewhat affordable, um, but it's difficult to have both a Cabrera and an Upton scenario. Um, and especially if you want to have Verlander as your pitcher, I mean, it makes me nervous to have the starting pitcher along with a stackable kind of scenario with the same offense. Um, but there's a lot of cheap options there. But if you do want to go towards the Miguel Cabrera, obviously I wouldn't talk you out of that, but you have to remember you're going to have to go a stack probably elsewhere to be able to afford all of that and have those uh, production numbers. But I really do like that stack option there. Obviously it's, it's a huge um, opposite um, hand lineup against uh, that lefty on the twins, Hector. So it's, it's definitely a stackable off- offense for me. I definitely like the scenario. All right, well, good deal. Well, I had hoped that we could uh, spend a little time talking kind of bigger picture from teams in the first uh, two and a half weeks here who have really uh, excelled against righties and lefties. Some su- surprising teams, uh, the A's and Marlins, have been really, really good against righties. Uh, the White Sox, who we've been sort of trashing on, they're seventh in uh, WOBA against lefties. I guess we'll have to save this for another day, Just maybe let another, uh, another week's worth of data pile up on that one. So I apologize for not getting mm-hmm. to that. But uh, we're just about out of time here, Jeff. So thank you so much for all the great information and analysis. Looking forward to seeing you on again. And uh, as for uh, the show, we'll be back on Sunday, uh, Sunday at noon Eastern, our usual time. And uh, meanwhile, stick around for uh, the Pat Mayo Hour. Hope you have a great, great afternoon. And uh, we'll see you again Sunday. Take care.